This is Worship God, a podcast of the Gospel Coalition Canada. Worship God is designed to equip worshipers and worship leaders for Christ-centered worship. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Worship God podcast. My name is Rob Brockman. I'm an associate pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Aurelia, Ontario. And today I am joined, as always, by Jody Cross, who is the lead pastor of South Shore Bible Church in Barrie, Ontario. Jody, welcome back to the podcast. Rob, as always, it's great to be here. Absolutely. Jody, you know, we've done 52 episodes now, if you can believe it. This is our 53rd, 53rd episodes. We we should go and get some donuts or something. Yeah, we got to celebrate. Yeah. Um, But we've never discussed um, one topic in particular, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, I'm sure we've not discussed many topics. Um, But the topic today we haven't discussed, which is training your team. And for today's episode, we are very lucky to be joined by our guest, Lee Brubaker, who is the worship pastor at Emmanuel Church in Barrie, Ontario. Hey, Lee, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here, guys. Lee, you've been a worship pastor for 25 years, maybe more roughly. Is that right? That's about right. Correct. Yeah. Well, we're glad you're here with us. Now, full disclosure, before we launch into the episode, the three of us are putting on a worship conference coming up this October, all around this subject of training our teams. And we've come along with a bunch of our friends, a bunch of people that have been on the podcast as well. We're putting on this worship conference called Behold Him. And we're going to tell you a bit more about this at the end of the podcast. But the question is, why are we talking about this subject today of training our teams? Why is it important? So guys, I want to throw that to you. What motivates you to want to put on a conference and do this podcast on the subject of training your team? You know, uh, those of us in the realm of worship ministry, creative arts, we're often driven to grow and expand and advance to try new things. I love that kind of thing. I feel that Mm. need. And musicians are usually inspired by looking at those who are better than them, learning from them. And if you love ministry and music and tech and you feel called by the Lord to serve, you want to keep growing. And so as a pastor with oversight over dozens of people, artistic people especially, it's such a thrill to see an entire ministry move forward and not be kind of stagnant and just stuck year after year. I love that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. you know, 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, it's such a famous verse. We all reach into that verse when we're thinking about the gospel, passing it on to others. Paul was telling that to Timothy. But I, I kind of think this is also discipleship itself. You, mm. you think of that verse in terms of passing on not just the preaching of the gospel, but almost any kind of gospel ministry uh, from one generation to the next. And that's all about training. That's about disciple making in my head anyway. And uh, yeah. that's why I love to do it. I think for me, um, yeah, I think of similar passage in the sense of First Peter chapter four just talks about that we've received a gift from the Lord. We're to use it to serve each other as good stewards of God's varied grace. And I think this is important. It motivates. I'm motivated to do this because it helps God's people who are musicians, who are worshipers, who are uh, servants to be faithful in their call and to be fruitful in the use of their gifts, yeah. so that they can be effective in serving God's people. 
And I just think about myself, we are who we are and we, a lot of what we do, it's because people have invested in us. People took the time to mm-hmm. teach us, train us and to model things for us. And if you look back at your own life, you can look back at these formative influences. So um, I, I love the fact that we can invest in people to disciple them, to equip them and to sharpen them so that for God's glory, leaders would be trained up for the church. Yeah. You know, the three of us are pastors and, you know, part of the role of pastors, and we might have different roles in our churches, but part of the unifying role of a pastor is to, as Paul talks about in Ephesians 4, right, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And he says, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And he goes on to talk about how the reason we equip the saints is so that we can mature so that they can grow so that can, they can grow in their faith and grow and look more like Jesus. And I, and I think it's, that's helpful. Even as we think about this conversation about equipping worship team members, this is all about helping them develop for the ultimate goal of maturing in their faith. We don't want just people to only mature in their skills, although that's helpful, And we don't want people only to be better at leading worship, although that's helpful as we're going to discuss. But this is all for the purpose of helping people mature and look more like Jesus. And I think that helps ground our conversation today. And so, guys, what what kind of training did you have growing up as a young leader in ministry? And, And how effective was it for you? I know a lot of us maybe grew up in different church backgrounds, or maybe you had a lot of resource, or maybe you didn't. Lee, maybe, what about you? What kind of training did you have kind of growing up as an early leader? Yeah, I received some preliminary musical and leadership training at my home church during my high school years. Way back in Brantford and other places, I started to play trumpet in the services, and and they actually had this young guy, when I was so very young, leading singing occasionally. Hmm. And at that church, it was actually the days of the hand-waving song leader. Oh, yeah. like, this is going way back. <laughs> this is like George Beverly Shea kind of stuff. Here. <laughs> uh, so then I went to Heritage College, um, and uh, that school really grounded me in theological and musical training. Received a Bachelor of Church Music degree there in the late 90s. But this training was kind of heavy on music theory and history and choral conducting, And I even spent years traveling with the choir, the school choir and travel teams to all kinds of churches, just helping on Sundays. Um, And so what I was doing is I was learning about leadership by osmosis, not really in direct Mm. training into my life, Mm. but watching others do that. Honestly, like learning to be a worship leader was something I learned to do on the job Mm. in my first church when I was thrust into it, hired uh, back in Stratford many years ago. And I had to start leading every Sunday. And so then there's lots of trial and error and lots of experimentation. But God's call on my life was strong. And I just love to keep learning and still do to this day. So since then, it's really great to see schools like Heritage have started to change their course offerings to include a lot more training in direct worship leadership. Um, and so I think now I would have been better trained as a as a pure worship leader today, mm. if I attended Heritage now than I, than I was 25 years ago. But nonetheless, God knew that. And uh, here we are 25 years later, still still loving it. Yeah. Well, Lee, you're talking about George Beverly Shea, uh, and I'm sure I can dial back the clock even more than you, <laughs> you could. So in my day, in my formative years, I was actually in university. 
I wasn't even in the local church on staff. I was um, leading worship at a college campus ministry, and then I was helping out my local church. But, you know, this was the days before, man, I hate even to say this, <laughs> this is a time before the internet. And so there was no videos, and there were very few conferences. And I remember in, in the late 80s, there weren't a lot of books that, that I knew of that were written on this subject. So you just talked about trial and error, osmosis, and that was really a lot of, of what I was doing. I actually um, found a worship conference in the city. I was, I was uh, growing up in Ottawa, and there was a speaker from the U.S., and I, you know, I was really a sponge to everything I saw this, this team doing. And, and uh, I was very hungry to learn and very hungry to grow, but it was just watching, really. And um, I would glean what I could from other people, and then started to read some books and, and then was thrown into a local church where it was a lot of patience on behalf of the congregation and, and a lot yeah. of growing over the years. Yeah, same. Like I grew up in a very small church, so I would say there was no training. And so I subjected my church, those poor saints, to <laughs> just many years of bad original songs and, uh, you know, just... Uh, it, but it all in good, a good heart to like love the church and lead the church. And then it wasn't until I, I went to Tyndale for uh, my undergrad. And so I was learning a lot under worship leaders there. There were worship leaders there that kind of took me under their wing and did some training. And then from that point on, once I left university, it was just books. We talked, we've interviewed Paul Balash. We talked a lot about his DVDs and those were influential. Uh, getting onto YouTube, then eventually YouTube, there's ton with the advent of YouTube, there's just tons of resources. And so I found a lot, but you know, like Lee, a lot of it came on the job and just doing it, you know, becoming a worship pastor. And I had a decent amount of experience, but it was that doing it full time in front of a church in a fairly sizable church with, you know, 40 to 60 band members. And now it's my responsibility to train them. You learn it by doing it in a lot of senses. And so guys, what would, what, what would be the things that teams need the most in order to be more effective in their ministry? Jody, let me start with you. What would be some key things that you would say to that? I I broke this up just as I think about it in terms of uh, four categories, head, heart, hand, and relationships. And to be effective, I think people need to have that, that head aspect, understanding what they do, understanding the scope of the call, biblically understanding what it has to happen, has to happen. Then the, the heart having, um, knowing that their public ministry flows out of their heart for God and with God, that it's not just, you're not just a musician, but you're a worshiper. Then the hand being skillful. Psalm 33 talks about that, being skillful in, in what they do. And, you know, there's, if you think about skillful musicians in the Old Testament, they were skillful for a reason because they were trained. And I think there's a good apologetic right there for music lessons and mentors and coaches. So their ability to be skillful and then to help people develop their gifts. And then uh, musicians work together in team most times. And so just the importance of relationships and uh, having a strong team, strong relationships in a team, good chemistry in a team, understanding that really loving people is more important than the music that we make or the services that we put on. So those four categories frame why I think this is important um, Mm. for helping people to be more effective. Uh, For me, uh, I think of uh, the term motivation. There's a need for all of us to remember the ultimate motivation of what we do and why we do it. And I've seen this happen in some people before. It's easy to slide into the trap of viewing music ministry as a gig 
In fact, they've actually said that to me sometimes. Hey, I'm going to come to do this gig. You know, mm-hmm. I'm only going to show up to church only when I'm scheduled. The church doesn't mm-hmm. really know me because I'm, I'm only seen on stage on those Sundays that I'm supposed to be there. So mm-hmm. for me, this does not create a healthy church worship ministry environment. So how to be effective is proper motivation that I am part of the family, the church family. Uh, musicians need to be fully functioning members of the family. Um, although we often appear on stage, perhaps occasionally, as some of us, or more often others. I think of what Paul said uh, in talking about we are all members of Christ's body, right? And, and he said some are more presentable parts. Those that are just mm-hmm. recognized, they're up front. I think those are the musicians in the church. We, we're always up front. Everybody knows who we are. But that does, not know, that does no way, in no way mean that we are more valuable mm-hmm. than those who are less presentable, Paul would say. Mm-hmm. And so this motivation of being part of the family, just hanging out with people who aren't even musicians, who aren't even artists, kind of helps to fight that diva mentality that sometimes creeps its ugly head. Yeah. <laughs> In our musicians, you know, um, we, of course, we go back to Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. What are we really to do? All of us are to make disciples. Go and make disciples. And um, I think even in, in music ministry and worship ministry, that's part of our role. We are presenting Christ uh, through song, through scripture, through prayer, and serving the church in that way. And uh, it's it's a calling, not a platform. Boy, we got to be careful with that. Yeah, I think for me the. The biggest thing that has helped me be more effective, I think, over the years of my ministry is just continuing continuing to develop the right biblical understanding of what the gathering is all about. Mm. Like, why are we coming together? What are we doing when we're worshiping? Because when you get that, you start to realize like, yeah, man, like being a diva is just so... Being arrogant and proud and trying to draw attention to myself is just so diametrically opposed to the reason why we're gathering. Oh, trying to show off and play cool riffs so that people can look at me and go, wow, what a gifted musician. Or It's just so diametrically, so so opposed to what we're trying to do. And so helping helping our teams to, to understand again, hey, you're up here not as a, not even primarily as a vehicle for you to use a gift you're up here primarily to help people glorify Jesus and to uh, be equipped for work. I mean, I think that at I think at the deep down underneath everything has been the most influential thing for me, and just like a red hot love for Jesus. Mm-hmm. Like I think those those two things, if I could have our people grow more in those things, I think that would be would be huge. And mm-hmm. this this list of things that we've just talked through, the three of us is a far cry from, hey, I play guitar. Yeah. And I want to play guitar. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, in the worst worst of those scenarios, it's, hey, you need me to play guitar because I'm You know, good. I, I played guitar, you know, on a lot of teams over the years, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, this, I think this underscores why there needs to be somebody who's leading a charge in a local church that is pointing people beyond the basics of, I'm a musician and I do music. And I want to do music to these these deeper heart issues, these spiritual issues, these relational issues. So uh, if you are leading this charge in your local church, I hmm. uh, hope this has been encouragement to you to think about some some things that 
you know, you need to consider with your team. And obviously we're going to continue to talk about this, but it just excites me that, that we needed this. I mean, we needed this as young leaders. And I think, I'm not sure that anyone told us this stuff except for what a decade or two taught us and the Lord taught us over the years. But if, if someone's listening, who's maybe newer in this and, and has no mentoring or has had very little mentoring on this in terms of these deeper motivations, Lee, like you said, and just focusing on Jesus, Rob, like you said, then, mm. boy, that's going to put you uh, further than, than we were early on. Mm. And that's why I actually support the term worship pastor as a terminology. Mm. Um, lots of people are worship leaders. I get it. And I know there's a difference between paid and unpaid. I get all that. But, but yeah, to feel the calling of a pastor to people and to shepherd them and to care for them and to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Man, there's nothing like that. Mm. And we need, just as you say, Jody, we need people who are doing that in every church. We're not just band leaders. We are pastors. And I love that. So guys, let's drop down and let's get a little more into the weeds and a little more practical. what's, What's something, where would you like to start off with, hey, I'd love my team to do this better or to understand this or to know this a little better as we're talking about equipping them and training them? What's one thing you just really hope they would get a bit a bit better? Are we assuming that our teams are going to be listening to this? <laughs> Don't use any names. This is for you. If this is you listening, you know who you are. Um, just the, the idea of overflow that you don't, you don't just show up on Sunday and do your thing, but that the Sunday ministry is an overflow of your, your private life, your private walk with the Lord. And um, just the rhythm of the Monday to Saturday, worshiping, living your worship out, living obedience out in your life impacts how you, you serve and you minister on Sunday. And uh, they're not disconnected, but, but the Monday to Saturday actually fuels and feeds and impacts what happens on Sunday. And then the second thing that similar, what we've been talking about, but just that um, my team is not simply a band, not simply musicians, but worshipers who are there first and foremost to sing and to play to the Lord. That's what the scripture talks about in Colossians and Ephesians, to make melody to the Lord with your heart. Mm. And that we, in all that we do, we bring an offering. And then as we do that, we lead the people by inspiring them. And through our example, through how we play, even the spirit that is within us for the Lord, uh, that inspires and encourages people that they should pour out their praises to God as well. I, um, I love it when musicians come prepared to practice. And this is one thing that I would encourage anyone, anyone who's on a worship team, anyone who's coming to a choir rehearsal or an orchestra rehearsal in your church or wherever you're doing, whatever you're doing, um, do your best to come showing up prepared. Mm. And uh, we've probably all had experiences, and I certainly have, of you're putting the work in as a leader, as a planner, and you come and your musicians start arriving and um, someone comes and you just know right away they have not looked at the songs once. Um, even though they've had the set list for a week, perhaps, they've not even mm-hmm. looked at them, let alone actually studied them to yeah. learn a little bit of what you're supposed to play or how you're supposed to sing that lyric or you know, whatever the, the nature of the, of the pieces are. And sometimes I remember even having musicians come uh, and we are doing a new song and they've not even learned the new song. And that's just mm-hmm. so hard to practice then. You're bringing the whole team along and, and other musicians get discouraged because they have put the work in, mm-hmm. you know. 
And uh, so, yeah, man, so many churches. In fact, I, I happen to know, uh, I've just finished doing some uh, surveying of worship leaders across Canada. And I think 37 out of 40 of those that I surveyed use planning center. Most churches mm-hmm. are using planning center because it helps us to keep organized and to send resources to our team members, charts and YouTube links so that they can absolutely practice at home and and, um, we're giving them the resources they need to do that. So, you know, coming together and coming prepared helps teams to gel quickly. And I love that feeling when we are, we're ready to go and we're worshiping, even on a practice night, we're worshiping because we're ready and we're not stressing so much about the details and the nitty gritty. Mm. And um, yeah, I love being in that place. I think one thing I would love my teams, my team to know and to get a little better is I think a, I would want to ditto what Lee said, like take your responsibility on the worship team seriously. And then also don't take yourself too seriously. Like realize, (laughs) realize that your only gifting to this church is not the worship team. Some people get put so much of their identity into it that you know those people who just like never leave the worship team they're always on the worship team and they never go hey maybe god wants to use me in different areas and maybe there's a different season in my life and then that becomes like an idol in their life and they're like well you know i've got to be on the worship team and i would want people just to know like hey the worship your the way you serve the lord isn't your identity and don't don't just put yourself into a little box and go well this is how i serve god at my church is on the worship team it's like god wants to use us all in multifaceted ways and so yeah if you're on the worship team lean in grow be prepared all those things and then at the same time know when the lord's maybe calling you to something different and that leaves space and gives room for other people uh, to join the team and then we can invite other people on and i think that's healthy a bit of those rhythms of the worship team i think are are healthy Rob, picking up on that, how do you think the local church benefits if if we're doing these things well, if our teams begin to get some of these things? What does it look like that a local church would experience, see, understand um, as a benefit of that? If the goal of the gathering is that people are equipped and encouraged and matured, um, a lot of what we're doing works towards that goal, right? Well, one of the benefits of us doing this well is that we are helping people grow in their understanding of God, grow in their affections of God. There's a great, there's a great quote by Jonathan Edwards from his book, Religious Affections. It says, the duty of singing praises to God seems to be appointed wholly to excite and express religious affections. No other reason could be assigned why we should express ourselves to God in verse rather than in prose and do it with music, but only that such is our nature and frame that these things have a tendency to move our affections. Obviously, I think he's overstating things a little, but I think it's bang on. Music helps stir our affections towards the Lord. And so a benefit to the church when a team is doing this well is that they are being, the goals of the gathering are being accomplished and worship seeks to help encourage people to grow, to mature, to understand who Jesus is, to sing good doctrine, to have their affections stirred. And so I think that that's a great a great uh, benefit to a church, a healthy worship team with people on it for the right reason. It's going to, it's going to accomplish the work of, of the church. Mm -hmm. Well, I think we've probably all seen evidences and examples of the opposite of that, Mm. which helps us understand what we're really looking for. We've probably been in experiences where the church 
maybe we're in the congregation and nobody's singing, mm. or there's a lot of mistakes up front, and we're and there's just things going wrong that are we're not in it. We're not we're distracted, right? And so I think the longer you're in this ministry, you realize you know the yeah there's so much there that is quality and worthy if we're coming at it with with the Lord's ministry in mind and we are healthy as a team and we are seen as part of the congregation this is a family uh, this is not a concert but yeah there's a healthy mm. spirit in a congregation when that all happens I remember going to a worship event years and years ago and um, I don't think this happens ha- has not happened a lot in my life but there was just something really funny about this event it wasn't a local church service but my wife and I looked at each other and we said, we think we need to leave. And it, it was just, it felt like there was hubris and it was very um, focused on self. And we thought, this doesn't smell like Jesus. It doesn't feel like Jesus. Mm. It feels very much pointing to, you know, human glory. And so we, we ended up leaving. And, uh, you know, that's, that's the worst case scenario. Mm. But good, the good scenario is that people sense the fragrance of Christ and see the humility of Jesus and are drawn to him. And John the Baptist, as a leader, we had a podcast, actually two of them, I think, Rob, uh, mm-hmm. about John the Baptist, but he was a signpost. And a good signpost is really clearly pointing people away from the sign itself to the destination. Yeah. And a team that is doing what they do well, uh, point people to Jesus and... Uh, you know, good leaders lead people to where they need to be. And in Christ, it's not pointing to ourselves, but it's to the Lord. Yeah. And I think, I think a team or a church benefits because when a team is doing what they do well and when they love people, um, a congregation knows when they're being loved and led well. And there's a sense of giving themselves over in terms of following where this team is leading them to. Mm. And if that's to the cross and that we're doing it together... Uh, you know, we are, we're leading people to somewhere we ourselves are wanting to go and we, we point to Christ and we do that in a spirit of humility and uh, over time, and this is God works over time in corporate worship, particularly it's what we're talking about, that I think a church it grows well and grows healthy and grows deep roots. There's a lot, lot more, obviously our song content and, and that, but yeah. if they're being led well by a group of people that love people, then uh, I think our churches are going to grow and benefit. Mm. So guys, maybe as we kind of land the plane and uh, finish off our episode, let's get super practical and let's, let's talk about what are some tips and tricks you guys have to help people learn how to train and equip their team. So let's, let's just share some Lee, what would be something that you would suggest is here's a way to train and equip your team? Well, certainly we will get into talking about the mechanics of musicianship probably a little more in a minute, but let's start with scripture. Let's start with training the heart and the motivation, as we've already um, identified here, that that's so crucial. So, for instance, uh, what we've been doing recently on our team is reading through the book of Colossians chronologically week after week. Mm-hmm. And that, that certainly means that certain musicians aren't there every week because there is a rotating schedule. Mm-hmm. But whatever's next, we read the next 8 or 10 or 12 verses, whatever that section is. We talk about it, uncover some of the truths. Uh, and then we pray for what we see there and how it applies to ministry going forward for us. We pray for each other. So that little short devotional time, uh, that's actually equipping because mm. that's equipping in the heart. That's equipping in the right things of what we're doing. We are always talking about how this helps the gospel move forward and how this helps the church and blesses the church. And 
And so that's a little tiny bit of preparation for me. I hardly have to do anything to get ready for that part, but it reaps a lot of benefits for the team. Yeah, I think I like that. You know, every every time you have rehearsal, you have a training opportunity and it doesn't need to take long. Um, scripture exhortation and one point of instruction. Why do we do this? Why do we, what does it mean to sing to the Lord? What is, how does even um, team unity glorify God? You know, one just little point, we're training people and um, specifically things that are easy to do, even communicating to the team in writing or verbally that we set the, the bar high for ex- excellence in terms of even um, communicating clearly what we expect. You know, we talked, boy, and I sure endorse what, what was said about preparation, but tell them um, that you want to help them grow for their good and um, that we we state our expectations and just remind people so that um, they can be their best. Mm. Another thing that I think can be helpful that maybe we don't think is super helpful because is, is sending out little resources that we stumble across. And in our roles, we have time where, and I'm sure you guys are, you log on to Facebook and one of your pastor friends has posted some article about worship leading or you log on to Twitter or you go to your email, you get a church leader's email and there's a great article about something, forwarding those resources onto your team. Hey guys, I got this great little email. Make sure to spend some time um, reading this over the next week, kind of sending those things like YouTube videos, podcasts, like we, we ingest a lot of information. And I think that something can be helpful is, is getting that to our team. Another idea would be like even create, having an opportunity to work through kind of like what you're suggesting Lee, except more maybe in their own time, read through a book together over the year and, and maybe have a few meetings where you can discuss the contents of the book, you know? So you tell your team, Hey, this, this year, guys, I want us to read through, you know, what happens when we worship by Jonathan Cruz or adorning the dark by Andrew Peterson. And, and if your budget is a lot able for those people who go, Oh, I can't afford it. You can help them purchase it. So sending resources whenever we can think of it, I think could be um, a great way because we do a lot of that legwork. We have a lot of it at our fingertips. Um, so that'd be another way. What's another idea, guys? Well, certainly there's the, uh, the plain straight up training in music, um, guitar worship training, vocalist meetings, uh, you name it, whatever part you're playing, there's a way that we as as leaders, pastors, whatever, can kind of resource that aspect of really practical ministry training. Um, last In our last church, uh, we launched an academy of music, and we offered for 10, 12 years, it's still going now, even though I, I left there a few months ago, I'm in a new mus- ministry now, but uh, we offered music lessons, private lessons, and all kinds of things, guitar, piano, drums, brass, woodwind, strings, and vocal. And I remember after all those years, so many people came through as little kids and learned and grew in their skill, and now they're on the worship team, or now they're in the orchestra, wherever they're, wherever they're serving. And, I mean, that's a very formalized way of training, hmm. um, but that's been used for generations. And, in fact, the church, I think, should be about even those formalized training opportunities because Christian kids, if they don't have that resource in our churches, where are they going to go? Um, Maybe some place where there's there's a guy teaching who has no concept of worship at all. Hmm. He's not a Christ follower, and so yes, they can get some good training, but but maybe even better in a Christian setting. Yeah, love it. And I think uh, one of you have already mentioned. Uh, actually, we, uh, just off off the mic, we were talking about uh, doing guitar lessons for people on our team, and 
just the investment that we have as leaders to share what we know with, with younger leaders. Uh, one of the things that I would encourage people to do is to put on your own training day, an in-house Saturday morning, whether it's nine to noon or nine to three o'clock, whatever you can do and bring your team together, bring your AV team, your musicians, your singers together, bring everybody together and you can create your own training day and it can be with, you bring in a speaker, you can use videos, you can use uh, some DVDs that you might own and then have a, have a bit of a, a flow through the day, an objective. Uh, bring in your lead pastor even to uh, bring a word of encouragement and exhortation from the scriptures. But you could actually do an in-house conference for little to no money and um, build your team, build some, some deeper relationships with people. And I, I'm pretty sure that's going to uh, give some good, uh, some good benefits to your people. It definitely provides good opportunity for you to teach on worship. And, you know, somebody who's not a lead pastor, who's not in the pulpit a lot, I realize there's not many opportunities I get to teach on worship. And so that those little training things are great opportunities to teach about that, which kind of brings up maybe a pr- very practical thing, which is this, create a budget line. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're if you're if you're a family and you're responsible for having a budget, you know how important it is to have lines for things, or else you're going to go into the deficit and you're going to overspend. So you got a budget. Well, make sure that you have a budget that allows you to dip into it and hire that bring bring Lee up to your church and he could do some training or buy some resources and give them to your team. Make sure you have some finances and it doesn't need to be a ton. I get it. A lot of us are in small churches, but um, ask your, if you're just a worship leader, ask your pastor, Hey, could, could I get like a little budget to build into the team and to grow our ability to be excellent? I don't think any pastor is going to say no to that. So um, I would encourage that as well. Put a little budget together. And as you're thinking about even just back to what I was saying a second ago about uh, putting on a training day, and maybe you love the idea of that, and maybe it's daunting and overwhelming and you wouldn't know where to start, uh, just drop us a line and uh, one of the three of us can, can walk with you through that, mm-hmm. give you some ideas and help you to, to shape the day if that's just an overwhelming thing and uh, mm-hmm. it would not be hard for you to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've got a pretty cool event coming up that we should tell people about who live within an hour of central Ontario. The three of us are actually going to be putting on a conference for this exact reason. We were discussing, you know, there's tons of worship conferences out there for worship leaders often and worship pastors and pastors, but not often a lot just for worship team members. And so we plan the Behold Him Worship Conference. It's coming up on October 20th and 21st. And the whole point of this is encouraging worshipers and equipping worship teams to behold Christ, to fall more in love with Jesus, and to help bless his people. And so the three of us are going to be there. It's going to be a worship night on Friday night, and that's open to anybody. And and again, this is open to, if you want to drive and come on out, you're welcome to come on out. It's going to be in Barrie, Ontario, actually at Lee's Church at Emmanuel church in Barrie. And then on the Saturday is when we're doing the conference. And and guys, what kind of breakouts do we have? We have all kinds of breakouts right now. We have a number of workshops by various worship pastors and leaders in the area. Um, the three of us are all involved in that. Uh, Pat Sabell from the West Coast, we're bringing him in to, to speak on songwriting and other things. Um, there's one, one uh, workshop there about tech and live stream, because a lot of churches are involved in that. Or 
or after COVID need to do so continually. And maybe they're looking mm -hmm. for better tools and tricks in that. So talking about that, of course, lots of workshops about training, about uh, worship planning, about leading in the, in the spirit's power. So all aspects of both planning and leading and even a vocal workshop for the singers. Guitarist um, workshop. Yeah. yeah, we've really got something for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so we really want to encourage you. You can go to our website for the conference. It's beholdhimconference.com. And uh, easy. We have an early bird thing. So if you register before the end of September, uh, you can get $10 off. And we have group rates as well. So we'll go make sure to check out the the um, the website, beholdhimconference.com. Anything else, guys, you wanted to say about the conference? Yeah, we, we talked about it. Um, I've actually been serving in, in the Barrie and Central Ontario area for about 23 years. And there have not been a lot of training opportunities up here, mm. more maybe in the GTA. And if you're listening to other places in Ontario, that there may be more where you live. But we just said, I think our motivation was we really wanted to train our own teams. Mm. And so the three of us came together and said, does your team need some training? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's do it together. Let's pool our resources. And then we decided that we would open it up and uh, we would love to share it with you uh, if you're interested in that. And uh, the price is actually, um, it's amazing. Uh, our, our rates are $50 for the day. And there's even, as Rob said, the discounts on that. But for that price, uh, everybody's going to get a complimentary book that's going to help them in their, in their walk and their passion for Christ. There's a free lunch included. And, uh, you know, there's... 10 All kinds options. of swag. <laughs> yeah, right. we have we have an astounding number of books to give away. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have to get on WestJet at a seat sale yeah. and fly into Barrie, you'll probably go home with a, an extra twenty pounds of books oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that you may be giving away. But um, no, our heart really is is to equip and to bless the church. Mm -hmm. um, as Rob said, be, beholdhimconference.com. Well, anyway, thank you everybody for joining us on this episode. We really hope it's been encouraging and we hope to see you at the conference if you're able to go. And Lee, thank you so much for joining us on yeah, this episode. Thanks so much, Lee. You're welcome. We've been thankful for you. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. You can get in touch with us again. You can email me, rob at cornerstoneorelia.org. And we'll see you on the next episode. Bye for now. Worship God is a production of the Gospel Coalition Canada. For more Christ-exalting resources, go to ca.thegospelcoalition.org.